Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. This morning I want to share with you, I believe God laid on my heart this message called Build or Rebuild. You can look at it from either direction, Build or Rebuild. We're going to look at our text, which is Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning at verse 10, or 11 rather, and right on through verse 20. It says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night and some few men with me. Neither, I, neither told I any man what my God had put in my heart to do. Think about that. At Jerusalem. Neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and the, the dung port. And viewed the walls of, the, of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, and to the king's pool. But there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up to the night by the brook, and viewed the wall, and turned back, and entered by the gate of the valley, and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went, or what I did. Neither had I yet told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did come with me. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in? How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. But when Sinbalat, the Hor Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will rise and build. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Whenever it comes to studying the Bible and getting the most that we could possibly get out of it, we should ask ourselves at least three questions. The first question being, what did this mean to them at that time? In other words, in context, in the setting in which this was spoken, what did it mean then? Secondly, what does it mean today in this age in which we live? How can we possibly apply it to anyone's life here? And the thirdly is, what does it mean? Third one is, what does it mean to me as an individual, as a person? How can it affect my life as an individual? Those three questions. Well, first of all, what it meant back then. Nehemiah had a mandate from the Lord. He had a commission from the Lord, and that is to rebuild the ruined walls of Jerusalem. And because they were down, they became vulnerable to their enemy. And so there they were, a prey to their enemy. But you know what? Things were going on that were good inside, even though that they were not protected from without. And 
Apparently they live with it. What does it mean today? The principles that were used, the keys that were used that we're going to talk about can be used today to build or rebuild a life. To build or rebuild a family. To build or rebuild a business. To build or rebuild, you can go on from there, even say uh, a nation, a church, go on, an enterprise, whatever it is. The principles are the same. That's the point. And so as we study this, we're going to find out exactly how we can use the same principles that he used to succeed in life because he succeeded in accomplishing the goal. Now, as an individual, if once again, you're a graduate, and I'm sure they're out of here by now, but maybe some are listening. If you're a graduate, you can use these principles to build your life and live the life that God wants you to live and to have to his honor, to his glory. So let's go back to verses 11 and 12. And number one, everybody say with me, is focus. Focus. It's important that we understand, as he did, the need to focus on what God laid on his heart to do. Look at it. So I came to Jerusalem. I was there three days. I arose in the night, and I had, and some few men with me, neither told I any man what God had put in my heart to do at Jerusalem. God put something in his heart to do that he was to focus on. His focus was on that very thing. How did he come up with that focus? Well, God gave it to him because he was an individual that sought the Lord. Now, look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, and verse 46. He takes three days to evaluate what's going on. He sees the walls that are ruined and brought down. He sees the gates burned with fire. And he keeps his focus, I've got to do what God told me to do here, what he laid on my heart to do. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? So in other words, it's important for us to know exactly what it is that God lays on our heart to do. How are we going to do that? Well, a wise man will focus on the Word of God, the teachings of Scripture, so we could learn to know what God would have us to do as an individual, in our family, in a business, with a business, or in your church. So we want to get the mind of God, don't we? We want to understand what God would have us to do. What's He laying on my heart, on your heart? Well, Nehemiah got his vision from God. Why? Because he was a man who sought the Lord. He had faith. He had heart. He had vision. And also, he was a person of prayer. He sought the Lord through these things, and as a result, God gave him his will for his life. You're going to go there in Jerusalem. There's all kinds of things that are going on that are good, but you know what? You can't focus on that. There are some things that need to be repaired, needs to be rebuilt, needs to be done over again so they can have the life that I really want them to have. How many of you know that God doesn't want our lives driven by the uh, winds of uncertainty? One of the most difficult things for a person in his life is to discover what it is that God would have them to do. What is the will of God for my life? And I always say this, there are really two things to understand. There is a general revealed will of God. There is a specific will of God. And as long as we are dedicated and submitted to following the general revealed will of God, we open ourselves up to the specific will of God for our lives. And so it's important to remember that. So if you're a graduate out there, Keep on doing what you know to do according to the general revealed will of God and God will make known to you His specific plan for your life. Also, those walls of Jerusalem, what did they represent? I believe two important things. It kept outside of those walls the enemy and every force that would be against them. On the inside, it kept everything good. All evil out, 
all good and what's of God within. And so it's important that we recognize the need for us to keep on the outside things that are evil, keep on the inside things that are good. Well, just like Nehemiah, God spoke to my heart many years ago and said, I want you to get your eyes off of things that are good in your life right now. And I want you to get your eyes on some things that I want to lay upon your heart. And trust me, it was a time in my life that it was, wow, things were good. And it was scary. It was almost frightening to think of what God would have me to do. You've got a good job. You make a good wage. You've got a good insurance program, health program. You've got a good family. Well, Youngstown wasn't all that good at that time, but anyhow, bombings and all that sort of thing. But you get the point. Things were well. Things were going well. But he says, I want you to pack up your bags, I want you to leave this place, and I want you to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to Bible school, because I've got something for you to do. I didn't know all that back then. But like Nehemiah, I had to set my heart to do what God laid upon my heart to do. And so I did exactly that. And even as challenging as it was, praise God, I made a decision that God's will for my life was more important than anything else in the world. So I made that choice, made that decision, and did exactly what God said to do. So focus on what God has placed in your heart to do, no matter what it is. Number two, find. Nehemiah wanted to count the cost and find the facts. So look at these next couple of verses, verses 13 through 15. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well and to the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. What's he doing now? He's trying to find out what needs to be done. He's counting the cost. No matter what it is when it comes to building a life or when it comes to real building a life, whether it's a life, a family, a church, a business, whatever it might be, there's always going to be a cost. There's going to be a sacrifice that has to be made. So there are many things that need to be done that we need to be aware of. We need to get the facts. If you're going to go off to college, you better get the facts. Trust me, it pays to get the facts. You know, right now, in the day in which we live, with cost being so high to go to college, it might be better to go to a community college for a couple of years and then go off somewhere else and get your degree. Just a little nugget. We learned the hard way. But look at Luke Gospel, chapter 14. Look at what Jesus said about building. And I think he was a pretty, pretty wise builder, wouldn't you say? For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether he have sufficient, sufficient to finish it? Lest happily after he laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. You know how many people tried, how many times they tried to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and they failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed and failed. But you know what? Jesus said, look, count the cost. Get the facts. Know what you need to get done. Well, as far as Jerusalem was concerned, that's a natural thing. But you know what? Ours is not a natural thing. It's not a natural wall. It's a spiritual one. Look in the book of Proverbs in chapter 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. You see, 
Jerusalem's walls were physical to keep a physical enemy out. But how many of you know there are spiritual enemies that are out there that want to bring destruction into our lives? You know that as well as I do. We're fighting the good fight of faith and we're fighting against unseen forces of darkness that want to bring destruction into our life, our family, our business, our church, whatever, our nation, whatever the enterprise might be. That's exactly what they want to do. Well, building walls is a spiritual thing for us. Walls of submission to God. Walls of faith toward God. Walls of walking in love. Walls of walking in mercy and forgiveness and the list goes on and on. Every single one of us, we can put up spiritual walls so that the enemy through prayer, for example, walls of prayer cannot penetrate or get through and bring destruction into our lives. That reminds me of some testimony I gave a long time ago about the breach in the wall of prayer and how this merchant had hired a group of people to take his merchandise to another city at a location where along the way, along the road, there were bandits that waiting for them just to get out there so they could rob them and take all the goods. And as they traveled on night after night after night after night, they were fine. Everything was going well. But then one night, a bandit broke in. The leader of the band breaks in, gets into... And he gets right over the leader who was taking the merchandise to its next location. And remember, there's a lot of money that's there. We're talking about a lot of merchandise that's there. And that's how these people made their living, just stealing from other people. Well, when he awakened the fellow, he said, How did you do this? And the guy's awakened and says, What are you talking about? I've been waiting to rob you night after night after night but every time you pitch your camp you've got these portable walls that surround your entire group he said what how do you do this he said look at we don't have portable walls at all how did you get through tonight he said you know there was a little crack in the wall and I snuck in. He said, well, let me tell you this. These first few nights, I was really strong in my faith and prayer, believing God. And I believe he set up those walls that you couldn't penetrate. He said, but tonight when I went to bed, I made a half-hearted effort to pray. I was just exhausted. And I realized that even though most of the walls were up, there was a crack in the wall because I didn't follow through like I should have. A lesson was learned by that individual. Protecting ourselves through prayer, setting up walls of prayer that the enemy cannot penetrate is an important thing. Look at Luke 6 again, and now look at the rest of what Jesus said. It's so important that we recognize we need spiritual fortitude. We need to have courage, and we can't relent. We can't give up. We need to be strong and continue in the things that we know to do. Because you see, the human nature is to back off sometimes. Our declaration of faith, our confessions of faith, and believing God for His hand of protection to be upon us. And why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not those things that I say? Whosoever comes to me and hears my sayings and he does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He like a man which built his house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. In Matthew, he says, you're a wise man. And a wise man will do exactly that, but a foolish man won't. He may hear my sayings, but he doesn't take them to heart. 
He doesn't follow through on them. And as a result, he becomes vulnerable to the storms of life that come down the pipe. So it's important that we recognize that if these walls fall, we make ourselves vulnerable to the enemy. And he can wreak havoc in a person's life, business, a church, or whatever. We see right now, praise God, think about it, what we've gone through with all this COVID-19. Do you ever think we live in a country where some one day you wouldn't be able to go to church for three months because of a germ? No. And then we have restrictions. Restrictions that did what? Close down stores and malls and businesses. People that built their business from the ground up. And that's their livelihood. Having to sell it now. As a result of one little germ. Hard to imagine, isn't it? Number three, friends. Everybody say friends. Say focus. Find the facts that is, and friends. Look at verse 17. Then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. Keep that word reproach in your mind for just a moment. Whether we're building or rebuilding anything, it requires help. He knew he couldn't possibly do it alone. He knew it was a great undertaking. And by the way, I understand he had this job done in record time, 52 days. That he got this job done because he got a lot of people to work with him in the project. Well, there is power in unity. Tremendous power when people work together. You say, but if I'm an individual, who am I working with? If it's an individual situation, you'll see that in a moment. But let's talk about unity just for a moment and working together for a moment. Once again, you see what it took just for us to put live streaming out there for all of you people coming together, working together, doing each and everyone's part to see to it that we could be a blessing and continue things going. Well, when it comes to unity and people are joined together, it makes it easier for us to fulfill our hopes and dreams. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, when they were trying to build the Tower of Babel, and look at Genesis chapter 11, what it says. Verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. That's unity. And they all have one language. That's unity. And this they begin to do. They set out to do it together. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Can you imagine that? God saying that? So when people come together, they unite themselves together, one heart, one mind, one accord, it makes it easier to fulfill their hopes and dreams. But number two, it's also important to know, it makes a powerful highway for God to move. Look at Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 24, Peter and John were just persecuted because of the miracle that took place of healing in that lame man who was at the gate of the temple called Beautiful. Well... As they were let go after being threatened not to preach or teach in that name ever again. When they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. You know, it says they went to their own company. You're our own company. This is our company. In other words, they gathered together and said, you know what? We got a band together. 
Everybody out there is against us, but praise God, He is for us. And we're together, we're working together, and we need the help that comes from God. Look at the next verse. Look over there in verse 31 to 33. So they prayed this wonderful prayer. God, you made heaven and earth, sea, and all that in them is, and so on. And they finally get to a place. When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, almost like when I came in this morning and saw all of you, and we began to worship like the place was about to shake, praise God, for the glory of God. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. There's unity. That aught of the things which he possessed was his own but that had all things common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You know what? To have great grace on you as an individual is powerful. Grace is the operational power of God. Grace gives us access to all the things of God. And by faith we tap into the grace of God. But it made a highway for God to move and we see signs and wonders and guess what? Peter practiced social distancing during that time. Because in Acts chapter 5 it says it was only his shadow that touched them. He didn't even lay hands on them. Just his shadow going by touched them. Can you say amen? <laughs> and they were all healed. Every single one of them. So you see God has even a plan for social distancing. Praise God. Alright, well look at the next one. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. It also erects walls that the enemy cannot penetrate. Look at what it says. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. When people come together and band themselves together in unity, and they put God first in their lives, I'll tell you what, it creates a force that the enemy cannot penetrate. But the problem is, if those walls fall down, there can be an issue. Now, look in the book of Proverbs chapter 1 for those of you out there thinking, but I'm just an individual. I don't really need anybody to help me succeed in life. That's deception. Are you still out there? Chapter 1, verse 7. You can't make it on your own. I'm going to show you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of your father and forsake not the law of your mother. It starts in infancy. You couldn't live without some supervision, whether it's your parents or whether it's a foster parent or whoever, a guardian, whoever it might be. No one makes it on their own. For they shall be an ornament of grace unto your head and chains about your neck. So it starts when we're young. We depend on our parents. We depend on teachers to educate us. We thank God for the de their dedication. We can depend on maybe counselors to help us along the way. So we're not a lone ranger out there. We need the help of other people. And... Praise God. That's why we have church. That's why we can come together. We can band together. We can learn to know each other. We can have people to pray with in agreement with us. And as we agree upon this earth, as touching things we ask, we know that the Father comes through and, and does those things for us. But there's greater power in unity. If one can chase a thousand, two can put how many to flight? Two, ten thousand, that's called synergy. Think about it. It's a reality, even in a natural world. You get two horses, put them together... They could pull more than one. One could pull a thousand. One could pull, they'd say, a twelve hundred. That's twenty-two hundred. But no, together they could pull almost three thousand. Why is that? 
There's a force that's created called synergy when people work together to accomplish a goal or a purpose. And that's why the Lord said, look, whatever they set their hearts and minds to do, they're going to do. That's why we got to confound their language and bring disunity among the people. You know, sometimes when you're watching TV, they have captions below it because they're speaking in a language you don't understand. You ever see some of that? And you go, and then you see some things written out that you can understand. You go, how can they understand that? Looks, looks like a bunch of gibberish, right? And then some of the language that you hear is like, really? It's, it's hard to understand. Why? Because it's not our language. It's not how we write. So that's what God did back then. Confounded their language to bring disunity among the people. Alright. Uh, next is faith. Everybody say faith. Look at verse 18. In verse 18, then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's word that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Notice what Nehemiah is doing. He is letting them know that he has history with God. And I'll tell you what, it pays to have history with God. You realize that? You see, he reviewed his past in order to face his future. What was his past? The hand of God was good upon me. And it's been good upon me. And he's the one that commissioned me to do what I'm doing. And I'm asking you to join me. Because I believe the hand of God that's good upon me then. Is the hand of God that's good upon me now. Who does that sound like? Remember David? When he went before the king. And the king said you can't do this. He reviewed his past. In order to face his future. He said, oh king. Listen. The God I serve. Help me with the lion. The God I serve. Help me with the bear. And this giant. Is next in line. The past. Enabled him to stand firm. Confident. Before his future. And what happened to the giant Goliath? He came down. You see these people. They were afraid. They've seen failure after failure in trying to rebuild those walls. So they gave up on it. Gave up on the idea. There were good things happening in Jerusalem. They were still having their worship. They were still having their sacrifices and all that. But God wasn't pleased and God wasn't satisfied. And God said, get your eyes off the good and get your eyes off what needs to be repaired. And let's get this thing rebuilt. Let's put this thing together. And so Nehemiah pointed them to the end result. What was the end result? He said, look, even though it's been like this for a hundred years, and even though people failed to do it, the hand of God, a good hand that's been upon me, is going to see this project through to the end. But you know what? It's not a matter of brick and mortar. It's about removing the reproach. Remember he said about the reproach? To take this reproach away? It's talking about the shame. The disgrace that exists as a result of what you see here. God wanted the reproach removed. Let's go back to, to, to David. David himself saw the entire Israeli army through diff, different eyes. He saw Goliath through different eyes. As a matter of fact, let's read these verses in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And let's see this. He wanted to remove the reproach, the shame... And the insecurity and the fear and all that that existed there among the people. 
And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man, this is speaking to David, who is only 15 years old, that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up? And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. That one verse there gives you three powerful things. You'll get the honey, the money, and live a tax-free life. Does it get better than that? The honey, the money, and a tax-free life. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth the Philistine? He wanted to hear it again. And taketh away the what? The what? Shout it out like you really know it. <laughs> the reproach from Israel. The disgrace. The shame. This guy is shaming us. He is shaming you, the army of God. He's bringing reproach to God, your God. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that kills him. The honey, the money, and a tax-free life. They repeated it. And so that got his fires burning. He was really on fire now. And now what does David do? I'm ready to go. My God, whose hand was good upon me with the lion, whose hand was good upon me with the bear, is good upon me right now. And that giant is going down. Why? To remove the reproach. And what is uh, Nehemiah saying? Let's remove the reproach from among us. The shame, disgracing us. So, David had his walls built at that time. You know as well as I do, there was a time when those walls came down. Was there not? You know that. Look at number five, foes. Everybody say foes. We got to be focused. Find the facts. Right? Look for friends. Absolutely. Notice this, foes. Use your faith, foes. Verse 19. Let's read it. But when Sinbalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? How many of you know there will always be opposing forces when there's an opportunity to do what God would have us to do. There will always be opposing forces. When your faith antenna goes up and you step out to do something for God, you're going to find yourself with opposition coming against you. And we're living in this realm in which, of course, we have all these forces of darkness reigns against us that want to bring destruction to our lives, our families, our business, our church, and etc. Well, in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10, look at this. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Amorite, heard it, Ammonite heard it, it grieved exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Isn't that sad? The children of Israel, all they want to do is just be a blessed people. And they're opposing it. They're against it. They don't want them to have the kind of life that God wants them to have. And it's a pretty sad situation because... Some of these have Jewish roots. Some Samaritans come from Samaria, but Jewish roots. It's one thing when you have, let's say, people coming against you or forces coming against you, but they're not part of your 
tribe, so to speak. But now they feel betrayed by these people here. They're coming to bring destruction because they don't want them to succeed. And think about Israel. Think about the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. Haven't they struggled with people not wanting them to succeed and be blessed? And of course, we know it goes back to the rejection of their Messiah. But still, they have fought tooth and nail all these years. And experienced all these, you know, attacks against them. Here's what's sad about it. Tobiah, you know what it means? Yahweh is good. Here's Tobiah, whose name says Yahweh is good. And he's against putting up the walls for their defense. So you see, what they used was something they did to Noah. Laugh them to scorn. Make fun of them. Make fun of them for wanting to serve God, to do the will of God. Coming against Nehemiah saying, we don't want this to be done. And try to use the king. You're going to go against the will of the king. No, no, no. They're saying, God, his good hand is upon me and us. And he wants us to build these walls up so that we could have the life that God wants us to have. So we can experience the blessings that God wants us to experience. So that we can be a people to let our light shine. So others can see that we're a blessed people. But no, they were against it. No, many people have turned away from the Lord and the will of God for their lives. Because why? People made fun of them. In high school, oh, are you a Christian? Persecution. If you don't do what every other child does. If you're not involved in the drinking, you're not involved with the uh, alcohol or the, the drugs or in that scene or smoking or whatever it might be, carousing and, you know, immorality, whatever. If you're, then you see you're not popular. You get laughed at, especially in our public school system. You're laughed at. Why? Because you have what? Principles and morals that you live by. And so it makes it very difficult. And you know what? The young people don't want to be laughed at. You go off into college. Are you still listening to what mom and dad said? Are you kidding me? You know what they did to Noah? You're a lunatic. It doesn't rain. Water for a, a boat, big ship because of a flood? Are you out of your mind? They laughed him to scorn. They mocked him. Jeered. And the list goes on and on. And that's exactly what these three have set themselves to do. They're going to make fun of him. And believe it or not, it went through to the very end. To the very end. They would not stop. So let's face it, beloved. We're going to face opposition as long as we're breathing in human bodies on this planet. We're going to face opposition. Can you see that? Last one. Fulfillment. Everybody say fulfillment. Nehemiah wasn't phased or moved at all by the opposition. Not at all. No. His finishing the project was not going to be based on him. Look at verse 20. Not what he could do, not his power, not his ability. Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. You have nothing to do with this. You want to be on the outside? Stay on the outside. We want to stay on the inside. And once again, this these walls were repaired in record time. In I think 52 days, he got this group together. They worked together. They finished the project. But how did they finish the project? In their own strength? Absolutely not. In their own ability? Absolutely not. They believe the hand of God was upon them in a powerful and glorious way. Whatever it is that you set your heart to do, you set your mind to do, whatever God lays on your heart to do, know this, 
You're not doing it in your own strength or ability. Matter of fact, Psalm 37 verse 5, one of my favorite verses of Scripture. How many know every verse is my favorite? But this is one of my very favorite verses of Scripture. Look at what it says. Commit thy way to the Lord. Is it your life that needs to be built or rebuilt? Commit your way to the Lord. Is it your family? Is it your business? Is it your church? Is it your enterprise? Whatever it is that needs to be built or rebuilt. Notice both built or rebuilt. Guess what? Commit your way to the Lord. Get the mind of God and say, all right, I want your hand to be upon me and I'm going to do what you would have me to do. And then notice this, trust also in him. That's exactly what Nehemiah said. I'm trusting in God to bring it to fruition. I'm not trusting in myself, my ability. I'm just going to go with the flow and do what God has told me to do, instructed me to do. And I'm going to believe this. Look at the last part. He will bring it to pass. Can somebody say amen? He wasn't moved by their scorn. He wasn't moved by their laughing at him. He wasn't moved by any outside force that could come against him. You know why he was so confident? Because God laid it on my heart to do it. When I left Youngstown to go to Tulsa, it was a scary thing, I guarantee you, to pack up your bags and leave everything, the comforts of your home, and go somewhere where you don't know anybody at all. You give up your job, which was a good-paying job, with all your health benefits, and you start making part working part-time making minimum wage with a family and yet you go there and say thank God he supplies all my need according unto his riches in glory by Christ Jesus you know why you can say that because God put it on my heart to do it whether you're graduating out there step number one seek the face of God and find out what he puts on your heart to do does he want you to be a doctor does he want you to be a lawyer does he want you to go to that school or this school or whatever does he want you to go into the ministry whatever it is he lays on your heart to do number one commit your way to him and say I'll do it Lord then trust him along the way say I trust you to see this project through to the end I may not know the next step but you're going to give it to me when I was there and I finished my first year there I was ready for the next step. And guess what? I thought I was going to stay there for another year. And he said, uh-uh, get back to Youngstown, Ohio. You know how hard that was? I just moved all the... I owned all the way down there. Now go back. Really? Okay, I guess that's what you want me to do. Being at the right place at the right time with the right heart, doing the right thing, spells success. If you're not where you need to be when you need to be there, you can miss it. And God will be limited as to what He can possibly do. So no matter who you are out there, and you're listening out there, trust me, let him bring it to pass. Look at these verses. This is what Nehemiah knew. He may not have had uh, Romans 8.31 or Acts chapter 4, but he lived them out. Look at what Romans 8.31 says. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Not Tobiah, not Symbalit. By the way, if you're thinking about a name for your child, Tobias, and Ballad, Geshem, you can take any one of them. They're free. It's up to you. Acts chapter 4 says this. After the healing miracle that took place, and they're threatened once again, but that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in his name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in sight of God to hearken to you 
more than unto God, judge ye. What are they saying? You can say what you want. You can think what you want. You can threaten all you want. You can laugh all you want. Put the pressure all you want. But guess what? Guess what? We're going to listen to God, not you. Oh, my brother and my sister, it pays to listen to God no matter what man says, no matter what the enemy says, praise God. We believe that even though these men opposed the work to the very end till it was done, God saw the project through to the end. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and what will He do? Bring it to pass, praise God. So, in conclusion, whether you're building or rebuilding your life, whether you're building or rebuilding your family, whether you're building or rebuilding your business, and trust me, many at this time are rebuilding their businesses, and whether you're building or rebuilding your church, what does it pay to do? Number one, get focused on what God lays on the heart to do. Number two, find the facts and see what needs to be done. Number three, get some friends that you could work with that can, you can talk to or whatever the thing might be that you need. Number four, use your faith to stand against number five, every foe of opposition that will come against you assuredly. But number six, let God fulfill the work that he began in you and bring it to full fruition. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God Almighty. So, thanks be to God. The enemy tried to defeat us, but he can't. Because greater is he that's in us than he that is in this world. You believe that? Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for challenging each and every one of us to rise up to places in you that we've never seen before. As we submit our will to you and honor you. That we commit our way to you and trust in you that you'll bring it to pass. So Father, we just, in your presence right here, just wait on you. Just for a moment further. Let us speak to our hearts as to what it means to us. Whether we're a graduate, whether we're a business owner, a church like ours, or a family. What does it mean? We believe, dear Father God, right now that you'll bring it to pass.